Hello, and we are live, and by live I mean not live, and by not live I mean dead, and by dead I mean one day closer to dead. How is that for convoluted? I am Dave Beaudry. And I am Jason Bailey. And Jason, I would like to start the program with a question for you, sir. Well, I uh, we've, love that. We've done a, this is a historic, ep- I'm kidding. Oh, um, Jesus. So, uh, we've done a lot of talk, especially since Commander Cody Murray was a guest on the program a couple weeks ago about uh, the old school Jason's hideout. Well, the Jason's hideout Twitter has suddenly seen a fucking resurgence in the weirdest goddamn way. I was just wondering, since uh, when did you learn how to speak or type in Arabic or whatever what is what is going on there i was wondering if you were going to address this i really was because it's like that's odd that's fucking odd okay so here's the deal folks is back in the day and we all know between uh, jason bailey david Beaudry, and commander cody murray which one of us is completely technologically computer and social media illiterate uh it is me and um, so when we were doing Jason's Hideout, uh, I was really depending on Dave and Cody for a lot of shit. Still do. <laughs> Don't bring Dave into this. Dave had nothing to do with this situation. Oh, but Dave has done a, like Facebooks for Dinner with Marlon. Different. Th- I just I'm a fucking I'm all thumbs with this shit, folks. Anyway, uh, Commander Cody Murray uh, saw fit to at some point in time to promote. Uh, said YouTube channel to to launch a Twitter. And it took me a while to even remember this when this happened. And I pride myself on having a good goddamn memory. But he did. And uh, then he was promoting some shows and putting up some pics of us and blah, blah, blah. So I was just like, great, whatever you want to do with this Twitter thing. And uh, just went about my business of, of editing and, and, and producing the shows. And uh, that was it. Never really thought of it again. Didn't. Didn't even remember we had a fucking Twitter account until today. So, yeah, Dave contacted me and said, hey, there's a lot of uh, interesting posts coming out of the uh, Jason's Hideout Twitter account. And I was like, what? He's, I was just looking at this text like, what the fuck is this? He sent me a screenshot. And uh, obviously, we're, we're a big hit now in Arabic countries. Don't click on any links, folks. I'll throw that out. <laughs> I haven't. I don't know what the fuck it leads yeah, to, but I'm sure it's ha- shit not. <laughs> Not going to find out. I don't know if it goes to your your nighttime activities or what's up, Jason? I'm not sure myself, but it definitely is uh, borged up with, uh, and it may not, it may be, you know, I can't read Arabic, so it could be, you know, a Tupperware party. It could be they're trading recipes, but uh, it has definitely been uh, subverted into something that is not in English and uh, information is, is being forthcoming on that. So I uh, immediately uh, got back with Commander Cody Murray, who was the uh, mastermind behind said Twitter account, and uh, he fucking forgot we had a Twitter account. So then he's been working on that all day to try to manage it slash shut it down. Uh, So have I. So uh, we've gotten pretty much fucking nowhere with that. But just just for all of you old school... Very on brand. Jason... Jason's hideout fans out there. If if for some reason you're getting, you know, feeds now from this account that you signed up for seven, eight years ago. Hit and, the block uh, button. Hit the goddamn block button. We are no longer in control of the plane. We're no longer in control of the Titanic. It's it's on its way towards the iceberg. We have lost control and uh we're trying our damnedest to to get it back under control or, you know, just shut down. But it definitely is us, and it's got our little microphone 
uh, moniker thing, you know, watermark on there. And it's, it's, yeah, Jason's Hideout brought to you by, uh, you know, I don't, I have no idea, but it's definitely in Arabic and, or something. And, uh, what's even more interesting about it is I checked, um, the Jason's Hideout YouTube channel and Jason Christ Superstar, which was kind of a, you know, led to that. And that's all seems to be fine and dandy. That's all. Everything's okay. Seems like with that, but definitely we have lost said control of the Twitter feed, but Hey guys, just let you know, whatever the fuck is being broadcast through us in Arabic is not fucking us. Okay. Or about us, but it is interesting that the minute I start ranting and raving about the middle East and you know how Saudi Arabia is behind a lot of shit that we'll be talking about in this set episode, our Twitter account starts getting fucked with hardcore from yesteryear. So I, I, I just, it's a mystery. It's unfolding in front of us as we speak. And uh, we'll get back to you on the, uh, the day-to-day a- activities as to what's, uh, what's going on with this account. Uh, and if any of you out there do read Arabic, please uh, feel free to contact us and let us know what the fuck is happening on our Twitter account. Well, it's not our Twitter account. I have nothing to do with this, Jason. I disavow oh, my any. Friend. I disavow you, any knowledge. You bitch, you in it with me? No, with bitch, you in it with me? No, I oh, did yeah. not. I did not oh, sign yeah. that agreement. Yeah. Uh, and also, I would like to go back to something you said moments ago. You're you're kind of mixing your metaphors. Did you state that the plane is headed for the iceberg? What? If I did, if I did, let me tell you, it really, truly, sincerely is. I mean that that does speak to your technical knowledge. If uh, if <laughs> as far as how airplanes and icebergs and shit work, um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, Jason, this is not our official dump. Th- what I'm about to talk about is not our official dumpster fire of the of the week. But I would like to uh, I would like to mention it now as a dumpster fire addendum because it's just too good slash horrifying to not touch on uh i know you have some feedback to go over what i would should i go into this now because i know you don't know what it is yet or should i wait we do feedback and then we do a set addendum how, how would you like to proceed let me let me just get to this quick feedback uh right off the top and then you know because i, I do like the listeners to know um what they said to us and we'll get we'll get to your um your pre- dumpster fire which seems to be what we're doing now um but um the first thing is uh, thank you paris uh i don't know what in the hell you need to know what the the ins and outs of the recall uh system is in california but uh you just lit up last week with listenership and uh paris was our number one city well i'll tell you why I know yeah. the answer to that. It's sure. because the whole recall was caused by Gavin Newsom going to the French Laundry restaurant. Ah, there you fucking go. That's why we keep you on your own show, David Beaudry. But the thing is that, uh, thank you, Paris. You were our number one uh, city in listenership, even over every fucking city in the United States of America. This, this is uh, pretty spectacular. So, like I said, uh, being the, uh, you know... I don't I'd like the Jerry Lewis of podcasts. I just uh, I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for listening. So that's number one. And uh, secondly, I would also like to say that uh, for having the dumpster fire last week be about the uh, recall uh, governor of the of, of Newsom and and the political firestorm that's happening over there. Uh, you guys really didn't give a shit about that. It seems like what you really wanted us to talk about 
was Texas a lot. And uh, we got more responses about our pre-dumpster fire, uh, which you all seem to think is a much bigger dumpster fire than the recall in California about the uh, thought crimes uh, that are now being committed in uh, women's rights and whatnot in Texas and how, uh, if you would like to feel what it was like in 1938 Munich, uh, to basically live in Texas again, because this is where we're at. But I want to thank you for all your feedback, because on the dozens minds is definitely how out of fucking control uh, this situation is in Texas. You wanted us to basically dedicate last week's show to that subject so but thank you very much for the feedback we do appreciate it we are listening to you that that is interesting especially because i kind of brought it up on a on a i mean it was a a very big topic but it was nothing that you and i had discussed about discussing it was something i just kind of brought up on a lark as an offshoot of our afghanistan feedback if i remember properly um and I, i just thought it was too big to not at least briefly address but it was nothing that you and i had talked about adding to the program so it just kind of was a spontaneous thing uh i will say in regards to the california recall that does have national implications which we didn't even fully touch on last week is that if if newsom's recalled the replacement governor whether it be larry elder or one of these other guys um or women if it's i mean caitlin jenner's polling under one percent i'd feel fairly safe in saying that's not going to be not going to happen but nevertheless <laughs> reality show stars have made it all the way before but anyway whoever becomes governor if it is not newsome might end up being in a position where they are naming a new united states senator because diane feinstein is old as shit and is does not seem to be have all our faculties and i don't think she should have even run this last election i think she should have been out of office a very long time ago so it is totally conceivable that um a conceivably republican governor could then assign a republican senator from california to the senate and then get a further lock on the senate which does affect national policy so it this does have na- uh, inter international this does have national uh, implications which we didn't even fully address last week just throwing that out there well no you're you're absolutely right in the fact of that it's gotten a lot of national attention because that's exactly what could fucking happen uh the balance of power in the uh the two-party system here in the united states of america uh will definitely uh be changing if if this happens so at any rate uh it it was a topic that i felt should have been the dumpster fire um and it was a good topic but it just wasn't the one on people's minds uh they responded much more did we actually have any feedback that disagreed with us on our texas stance i'm curious Oh, no, <laughs> my friend. No. As a matter of fact, you're good people, dozens. You're good people. The, the, the dozens out there had their pitchforks ready to go. Uh, they wanted us to anally rape fucking Texas and then impregnate it, and then it wouldn't be able to have the abortion. I don't know. They wanted us to do some funky shit with Texas. You really I mean, got to work on your metaphors, Jason. No, no, no. But with our, well, I don't know about you, but I can tell you my sperm counts so good, it doesn't matter where I should of it that person would have been a that that person really would have been in trouble and the thing is in texas uh everybody out there really really wanted us to skewer them and i just keep getting texts we keep getting the emails we got everybody out there saying fuck texas it's out of control it's too much if you talk about the pendulum swing my god you can't get any more fucking christian 
crazy, Nazism, thought crime, Orwellian than Texas is right fucking now. Well, so, Texas I is mean, also, sorry, Jason, Texas is also just the beginning because there are all sorts of abortion laws that have gone into effect during uh, Trump's time in office, especially, um, that specifically were designed to challenge Roe v. Wade, and that's that's why Trump had an inordinate uh, effect on the Supreme Court with mm-hmm. you know some of the shenanigans yeah. as far as who was getting uh, confirmed when and, and whatnot. But um, so some of these other suits in other states are still ongoing, and if Texas is any indication, the guardrails are off. And I don't think it's leading anywhere good. What I, who I do think needs some fucking guardrails is uh, Nueve Los Angeles, um, meaning New Los Angeles, meaning Austin. If you could somehow start building a wall, your own wall, and just, you know, take the, take the, the upper, the higher ground and start combating Texas, this, this would be great. So New Los Angeles, I mean Austin, do your best to survive in that uh, that hellhole known as Texas and and do your best honestly get get as many uh liberal people from California in there with all their fucking bullshit bourgeois money and try to buy off all the politicians in there do whatever you can over the next 5 years to uh, uh, buy your way into the government and uh, take over with some liberal effect. Because uh, I really think it's our only hope. I think uh, Austin is is actually our only hope for Texas. So uh, good on you. Well, and uh, God bless, God speed, and uh, we love you here. We've only, we've only got till 2022, Jason, because I have a feeling the midterm ex- elections are going to be a fucking dumpster fire in of themselves. Uh, so you might need to speed up that timeline. That'd be a great trilogy, though, wouldn't it? I mean, John yeah. Carpenter already did Escape from New York, then Escape from L.A., Escape from Texas. And by, and that's good because, like, it's like superstar Billy Graham said, you can't have a Vermont death match. It's got to be called a Texas death match. So escape from Texas, and you got old-ass Snake Plissken like he's 95 or whatever the fuck Russell is, and him escaping from that shithole, oh, my God. You wouldn't even have to sci-fi mock it up how terrible it is. Just film how Texas is currently right now, and you'd have your goddamn movie. It'd be a documentary. Mm-hmm. All right, so are you ready for our dumpster fire addendum, Mr. Bailey? I am indeed. All right, so <laughs> tell me if you've heard about this one in dozens. If you haven't, look this shit up because, good Lord, this just this is the gift that keeps on giving from the awfulness uh, scale, I guess. So uh, this weekend is a quote-unquote boxing pay-per-view. That was originally supposed to be headlined by several different bouts, and it was going to originally take place in California. I want to say it might have even been Staples Center, but I think it was in the greater Los Angeles area, whether it be the Forum or whether it be Staples, I don't know. Um, but the the headlining bouts were supposed to be, it was done by uh, Triller, which is one of those kind of like internet pay-per-view company kind of things. So the, the, the top bouts were supposed to be a boxing match between Oscar De La Hoya and Vitor Belfort. Um, Oscar De La Hoya, obviously retired boxer, promoter. Vitor Belfort, well-known in the MMA world. And then also uh, Tito Ortiz, boxing Anderson Silva, both men best known for their MMA careers. Um, so 
That is no longer happening as advertised because Oscar De La Hoya has tested positive for COVID-19. Now, I don't know De La Hoya's vaccination status or his belief on said things. Like, I, I have no real input there. I just know that as a replacement, they tapped 58-year-old Evander Holyfield to step in against Vitor Belfort in a boxing match. He's a couple weeks shy of 59, and he couldn't get licensed like 10 years ago because his physical, mental skills were so degenerated that he couldn't get a proper license depending on what state he was trying to compete in. California said, fuck this. No, we are not licensing this. So the entire event had to leave the state. And Jason, do you know where the event is now going to be? Texas. No. Close. Good guess. But no. Florida. Because of course it is. So not only is a 50, almost 59-year-old man who could not get properly licensed to fight you know, 10 years ago, however long it was, uh, going to be boxing Vitor Belfort, who is best known for alleged uh, TRT use over the years, um, in addition to, you know, having good punching power and, and hand speed and whatnot in his youth. Um, but to make the cherry on top of the shit Sunday, and this is this Saturday, Jason. You know what Saturday is? No. September 11th. Just throwing that out there. Um. As part of this broadcast... This is Patriot's Day. As part of this broadcast, Donald Trump, along with his Donald Trump Jr. shit sperm, will be calling the broadcast if you're... You, ha you have to pay to get the pay-per-view. Then I believe that... I believe them are who you have to listen to. And then if you want Jim Lampley to actually call it, you have to pay another, like, $40 to get Jim Lampley's commentary to watch these, like, senior citizens, like, box each other. So, yeah, Trump, uh, while the other ex-presidents that are still alive are going to be going to various memorials and, and speaking engagements and stuff to commemorate, you know, the 20-year anniversary of one of the worst disasters in domestic country history um trump is going to be calling a boxing match and trying to sell a pay-per-view because of course he is where hopefully evander holyfield doesn't get killed well it really does bring a new awareness to the term celebrity death match and dumpster fire i would say because if you've got these kind of ancient human beings in a blood sport, in a ring, um, someone's going to fucking die. I hope it's Donald Trump. Let's just move on. This whole thing is in bad taste. Fuck them. Fuck did, the whole thing. Did you know about any of this in advance or no? No, don't don't know because I don't follow any of these people. I respect Evander Holyfield, but Jesus oh, back, Christ. I mean, he was my favorite boxer Come back on, in the day, brother. but... What the fuck are you doing? Come on. I mean, it's a payday is what he's doing. Yeah, that's but I mean, exactly at, what at, it is. The, the question is at what cost? But also, like, all right, speaking on a, a like, from, my, my interpretation of Jim Lampley as a person is that he's an absolute shit as a human being. Jim Lampley is absolutely the best boxing commentator probably still alive today. Mauro Ronaldo is pretty good as well. But Jim Lampley's like peak, you know? 
shitty human being, parent allegedly likes to beat up women he's dating, but you know, um, can call a good, can call a good right hook when he sees one. Um, but why in God's name, like, I don't care what political figure it is or how you fanboy over somebody. Why in God's name would you want to pay money to listen to Donald Trump and his fucking moron son talk about a sport they know nothing about? And yes, I'm aware that there were plenty of boxing matches held in Atlantic City back when, you know, he was still running the, you know, or owning the casino back then. I, I'm, I'm aware that doesn't make him an expert in the sport. Um, why would anyone want to hear these two yahoos fucking babble on about bullshit for three hours or however. I don't know if they're doing the whole event or if they're doing just that fight. I think they're doing the whole event from the sound of it if you got to pay extra for Lampley's contribution. Well, I mean, you know, it's pro wrestling. That's all it is. It's the promotion But of it's outrage. bad pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, well, Donald Trump's, uh, you know, as I always said, a, a pro wrestling manager who became a reality star, who became the president, so... You know, it is it is what it is, dude. I, I, I don't advocate pay-per-view piracy, but folks, don't buy this. No. If, if it's something you absolutely must see from a car crash perspective, find other ways of watching it. Don't give these people any money, please. It's it's a very... The, the whole uh, narrative and this whole subject, if you just look at it in a news article term, it you know, we're looking at Dark Knight Returns satire here. It's just... Uh, it's ridiculous, and... Uh, the whole thing is uh, bullshit. I can't believe you've just sullied the name of the Dark Knight Returns by in, in any capacity associating it with this garbage. In the, in the Dark Knight Returns, what's funny about that is uh, they have these little square boxes that pop up as TV announcers just say something. And Frank Miller was very good at making absolute satire of how fucking crazy society's gone. And it would always be like a porn star is now like a governor or something like that. It'd always be something that at the time it was released, you're like, <laughs> right, it can't be that bad in Gotham. And that's what I mean. Now you look, now you look at the Dark Knight Returns and for future generations, they might, they'll see these panels very differently than I do. They'll just look at it like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's just that, you know, that's what I mean is the, the satire within the graphic novel has become tamer than reality. How, how fucking uh, ridiculous um, our society has become. That's fair. Well, that's our dumpster fire addendum for the week. But I thought that whole story was just too fucking ridiculous, <clears throat> stupid, dangerous, absurd to not at least give it a little bit of airtime. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that we could digest it. But Jason, the world outside of Hollywood, Florida, as well as outside of Texas, is a dumpster fire. I don't know if you knew that. I certainly did. Did you know why? Is it truly fucking is. Indeed. And Jason, I don't know if you knew this, but um, this Saturday is the anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. Well, I knew we were a few days away from it. Uh, I keep looking on my calendar every day. I get, I've got this Empire Strikes Back calendar. It's sweet as fuck. And I always look at it, and uh, I, I was like, something's coming up. And like, my eyes are not as good as they used to be. Getting my coffee, rubbing my eyes, looking at it. And it said Patriots Day. I'm like, Patriots Day? What the fuck is pa I don't even know what this is. I like to say, oh, of course. <laughs> it's on 9-11, of course, yeah. Patriots yeah, it's like Day. when Michigan tried to rebrand Devil's Night as Angel's Night in Detroit. Yeah, like, get the fuck out of here. Um, I appreciate yeah. the effort, but, but yeah, it's, it's stupid. Anyway. Yes. I, I'm very well aware that, uh, 
this is this is upon us in a few days. Well, Jason, I know you had quite a bit you wanted to say about it, so I'm just going to yield the floor, which I do so frequently. I always try to make sure you have plenty of speaking time without any interruptions, and that uh, Jason Bailey, the Vanilla Godzilla, is able to fully articulate his uh, intellectual thoughts. So, Jason, why don't you uh, why don't you go go right ahead? Well, we're in real trouble because I don't know where I'm going with this. But um, okay, on to our next subject of the week. Continue, Jason. I can tell you this is that um, I we have spoke about nine uh, eleven previously. I think specifically two years ago uh, when we first started this uh, this wonderful podcast, your favorite niche podcast. And I want to say honestly, it was like episode. I'm it was not, early. It, it might have been two, three, four, five. It's somewhere in the first five episodes. We started it in an, in August, I believe. Yeah, so yeah, we, it would have been a couple weeks. It. And it was one. It was something that I was very. Um, I always went back to is like that's that's interesting that we hit that. I don't. I think it was just because the podcast we were still finding our way, and there was things that we wanted to talk about. You know, like of course we do now, but um, we were st- we didn't have our three segments down. We didn't have the dumpster fire. We didn't know what the hell we were really doing, but we just knew we wanted some authentic conversation. And the anniversary of nine eleven was coming up. It was at that time the eighteenth anniversary, and now here we are on the twentieth. And so we have covered. this topic but we covered it uh because i've listened to episode multiple times because this is a subject that's extremely um like in my mind all the time and uh we covered it in a very personalized way like where were you yeah you remember what you were doing that day and blah and i love you know hearing dave's story and my story personalizing it and you know, and you can talk to anybody out there about 9-11 and say, where were you that day? It's and, our um, it's our generation's Kennedy assassination. <clears throat> exactly so. In more ways than one, as you, you might come to find out in this conversation, is that um, this time I want to talk about it differently. Um, it's 20 years ago. That's, that's a score. It is, you know, s- there are people that I... Uh, employ that are 25 and even even close to 30 but there are most of them in their 20s and um they do not view or even have a perspective of 9-11 let's say like our average listener our average listener that i i when i delved into um all this the statistics was about 40 years old 40 41 years old um, they simply don't. They were young enough to, I don't think, ever buy into the America that I bought into as a child. Maybe some of you listening out there um, bought into as well. When I was a child, being born and raised in the Midwest, uh, with the collection of human beings around me and the indoctrination process of the school, the government, the church... Um, I really did feel entertainment and entertainment. I really did feel like the United States of America was the greatest country. And not only that, we were invulnerable in many ways. I viewed us in a fanboy assessment, like Superman, like we were Superman, the absolute, if, if our country could be shoved into a comic book character, we would be Superman. Like, yeah, you could, you could get us down, but you weren't going to win. Is Superman's going to win, and the only reason you're not dead is because Superman is good. 
we, you know, we will rough you up. We might throw you in jail, might give you a little lecture, uh, then buy you a milkshake and, and tell you to go about your day. Um, and this is from a child's viewpoint. Right. But this, yeah. this child's viewpoint stayed with me. Well, I'll I follow. Mean, uh, sorry, Jason. I'll follow up on that briefly. How many times did you hear growing up? Because I remember hearing it incessantly, whether in movies or news reports or just kind of general discourse. Like, there has never been a terrorist attack on United States soil. Like, do you remember hearing that? Because I remember hearing that. Uh, the only th- the, the only things that I remember in that aspect, Dave, was uh, growing up is that uh, Pearl Harbor was the most infamous day that in history it will live on in infamy. Right. And the, and you knew that happened in Hawaii, you know, or, or whatever, where it was the, it was not on the continental United States. And it was the reason why we said, fuck these motherfuckers and went to war. And that was brought up constantly. Okay. And the, when that went into my mind was definitely probably the early eighties, Well, you got to remember when you get older, the timeline of history changes because you now have more years in your mind that you've been living that you can operate a timeline more efficiently. There are many times that I think all the time that really I came on this planet Earth 30 years after World War II ended. And now I've been on this planet uh, longer than that timeline was from World War II to my birth. My birth to now is more time that has happened. Okay. So like you start to think like it wasn't that fucking long ago. Like it really, I, you could in a way say I came, I was born right after World War II. It didn't, it's not that fucking long. So I knew about that. And then also when I, when I lived in uh, New York City at the time, they had already about a year or two, I'm trying to get this right, about a year or two before I got there, had the uh, parking lot underground bombing yep. of the World Trade Center. And yes. that was still fresh when I moved to New York. I visited, the um, first time I was ever in New York was January of 93, but I officially moved there um, in, in 94, I believe. Yeah, late 94. So, and that was still on everyone's mind is like, goddamn terrorist, the terrorist attack, terrorist attack. So, and that was the first time. And I know this is, I guess, silly is that, you know, but I have to, I want to, I want to reiterate this to all the listeners so that I can also tell you, I don't want this conversation to be a theatrical beatdown. I'm not saying that we're all theatrics here on one day closer to dead, but a lot of times I, I amp it up for your entertainment pleasure. I want to have an authentic, real genuine, um, input into my fucking mind right now is that a lot of the stuff I'm telling you is from the viewpoint of a child, a pre 9-11 child, which I was. And, and it, also, it also speaks to the manipulation that we've talked about before in, in regards to the mass media as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, when I was growing up, terrorist attacks were stuff that was happening overseas, um, mostly in Middle Eastern countries, uh, and it was against, you know, ambassadors who were in embassies, or we had a military outpost, or there was a ship that got too close to something, or hijacking. Yeah, that that was what terrorism meant to me, and it just seemed like it was hell and gone away from, you know, Pittsburgh, Kansas, or Lamar, Missouri. That, you know, this really didn't have a lot to do with my life and no one would ever have the fucking balls to come over here and do that shit. So that changed (laughs) 
very obviously, uh, after 9-11. And when people, I talk to them, a lot of them, and, and by the way, this is, I hope this doesn't come off as browbeating of, of people who I want them to know I'm concerned about the way they think about this day too. Okay. <clears throat> but a lot of people, you will talk to them about 9-11 and the first thing that will say, because they want to make a connection with the conversation or with you, um, because no one, you know, the, the best part of conversation for a lot of people is me too. You know, me too. I understand. I did this thing too. Um, you know, you like fly fishing? Yeah, me too. Let me show you what I can do. Okay, great. Whatever. And it, it begins. Well, with 9-11, we have a cultural touching point, you know, this, this moment where we were all just like the Kennedy assassination. We all know what we were doing. It becomes crystallized in our mind and our memory. But for me, something else happened that I never hear people talk about. And it was my country's self-identity was stripped away from me and how I viewed us. And I think that's a lot of people out there. I think a lot of people feel like we were somehow the equivalent of terrorists raped or something. And nobody really wants to talk about the, I feel vulnerable. I no longer have the same trust in our government. I no longer have the same trust in what we've done to deserve this kind of thing, or did we deserve this kind of thing? There's not a lot of talk about the self-evaluation of how do you feel about America before and how do you feel about your country after these incidents? And I think part and, of that also, Jason, is, and you can obviously touch to this as well, is the way the country, and I mean this from a governmental standpoint, from a military standpoint, responded after 9-11 because that was what really prompted the Iraq war, the weapons of mass destruction bullshit lie, the Afghanistan occupation over the last two decades that we were talking about, you know, two weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, so I think that all, and then also the domestically, the Patriot Act and all of the, you know, civil liberties that had stripped away in the, the name of national security. There were a lot of things that really, uh, used 9-11 as a flashpoint or as a justification to fulfill previous agendas. Absolutely. And, you know, if you give particularly our government, but I'm just thinking any government, anybody in power, uh, more uh, oppressive liberties over yourself and you, you, you give your liberties away for, for their oversight, you're never getting them back. Never. And you have to fight so fucking hard to get that stuff back. And a lot of it was taken. But what I found interesting was in the wake of, of 9-11, how vulnerable I felt, how disillusioned I was with our own standing in the world and my own, I guess, disillusionment with myself, if I can say that, with why did you believe that we were untouchable? Why did you believe that we were protected. Why did you believe that nobody out there fucking hates us? And I think that that is something we don't talk about. 20 years later, there is now a reinvestigation of 9-11, the events leading up to it, the day it happened, and a reinvestigation of how we dealt with it. And, and to me, I can't believe it took 20 fucking years 20 fucking years 
for all of us in this country. And I mean, the to me, it feels like a zeitgeist. Not, I'm not trying to bring up the documentary for conspiracy theories, but it seems like it's on everyone's mind. Like, hold on. Now we're withdrawing from Afghanistan. What was this war about? What did, what started this? Who started this? Why are we doing this? One of the, one of the soldiers that the recently I saw an interview on TV actually said, you know, he gave his whole life. He joined the military in his twenties right after nine 11. Now he's in his forties and retired. And he said that they would be uh, in Afghanistan in the middle of the night, bombs going off, killings happening, them just going through their day to day, you know, night to night activities. And they would have this, <clears throat> this joke that they would say to each other, say, knock, knock, who's there? 9-11, 9-11 who? I thought you said you'd never forget. And they die laughing in a way because they're like, no one back home knows why we're here. No one remembers what this is about. No one knows why we're here after Osama bin Laden got killed. Nobody understands. Why are we fucking here? And I think that there's just so much non-investigation into 9-11 because we have this, this deep, dark feeling inside our guts that we were hurt so badly as a country and quite frankly, individually. And I'm not talking about the people in their 20s. Yes, they have repercussions post 9-11. They absolutely do. But they're a different generation. I don't think they ever came of age thinking we're the greatest nation in the world. We can't be touched. We're all good. We're all powerful. I think they, they grew up in a post 9-11 world that they don't even know how different it is than the world Dave grew up in, I grew up in, Joe Baca grew up in, Commander Cody, all of our listeners, Dr. Eddie. So the thing is that I guess that's what's interesting is this now fervor to reinvestigate shit we should have investigated 20 years ago, but here we are. Well, also a lot of it has been extensively investigated, but a lot of those investigations have not been fully made public. Um, you know, from, uh, from an intelligence standpoint, I think all that information is more than likely there. Um, from a government standpoint, most of that information is probably more than likely there. But as far as what general listener to this show or just average American, a lot of that information has never been fully disclosed or talked about or, or whatever. Because again, there's, there's a lot of money to be made in controlling that narrative. An interesting point that I want to get to in this discussion is that a I am. I enjoy the reinvestigation of what has occurred because I love knowledge and I love accountability for people who damn well should be held accountable. Many times on this program, you may have heard me rant and rave and rail against one George W. Bush. Maybe. I'm pretty sure you have. And Donald fucking Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney. And I've called them uh, prisoners who never got sent to their jail cells because they have committed crimes against humanity. Now, I've said this for 20 fucking years. 20 fucking years I have said this to anyone who would listen. And for whatever reason, when Donald Trump became the president of the United States of Free Enterprise, it's literally as if all of these motherfuckers who did these evil, heinous fucking things against the world not just America, have been forgiven. Like, well, we have the shittiest Republican human 
shit stain that's ever been in office. So, you know, George W. wasn't that bad. Oh, fuck no. Don't, no, 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 no. That's called indirect clash in debate. Just because something worse in, it has come along doesn't disavow the crimes another motherfucker did one time. Outside, so of I, de- outside of debate, it would be what is known as bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. And the thing is that the reinvestigation on multiple, multiple documentaries that are now being released because of the 20-year anniversary are totally implicating the Bush administration in everything that's gone to fucking hell over the last 20 fucking years, okay? And to say that Dick Cheney did not profit from every motherfucking thing that he did in the response to 9-11 which I'm not going to get into conspiracy, but whether he knew or not, I damn well think he knew that was going to happen, by the way, but that's just Jason. Uh, these motherfuckers need brought to justice. They, but it, I mean, Rumsfeld's dead. Fuck him. Hope he's burning in an imaginary hell that doesn't exist. But these two motherfuckers, they need brought up. These two motherfuckers, I hope on their deathbed, it's brought up what I'm getting ready to say now. Is the fact is, in a personal way, I have followed the investigations into the behind the scenes doings, comings, and goings of 9-11. Now, the 9-11 Commission basically said, hey, yo, guys in caves in Afghanistan came up with this plan, and they're the ones that orchestrated this and blah, fucking blah. Yeah, that's what happened. Case closed. Done. Okay. Before there was the fucking internet in Jason's life, which I don't even think I had a computer until like 2007, 2008. I don't even know. Okay. I still read something called the newspaper. Okay. This was a um, actual hard copy item. Uh, it, w- it came from trees and they would print information on it and, and put it on your doorstep in the morning. A very bizarre, primitive, but every once in a while you got some good information from uh, some of uh, some of our country's uh, wonderful uh, newspaper companies. They were uh, not owned at the time by all the billionaires that you see on TV going to space now. But and the, and the comics the were entertaining. Oh my God, yes. And then the obituaries. Who died today? Ha <laughs> ha, let's have coffee. So the thing is that I followed this uh, very closely because 9-11, like I said, it touched me in a way I don't understand why it, I think because I hate lies. I fucking hate lies. And 9-11 just reeked to me of fucking lies. I remember George W. Bush getting up and, and everyone was saying, why did they do this to us? And he would say, because they hate freedom. They hate freedom. I'm sorry, what? This is something you would tell a five-year-old to explain what happened. Not goddamn adults walking around in a sophisticated era. But little did I know, most of Americans, whether you self-identify as conservative or liberal, are goddamn simple. And I don't mean that in, in nice terms. I mean it in all the negative connotations. I'm pretty sure you it are, was clear you didn't mean it in nice terms. No, they are simple bitches. Simple bitches that wanted some sort of band-aid to cover up the anal rape that they received from 9-11. And their psyche could move on. Okay? And this is sort of what was happening. But I was like, I'm sorry, what caves and people, hold on, weren't there like 15 fucking hijackers or something? They all came from a cave in Afghanistan with marching orders? I don't understand. 
So over the next few years, and by the way, that 9-11 never forget shit, oh, that's bullshit. I remember by 2004, 2005, no one fucking talking about it, even on goddamn 9-11. Nobody fucking talked about it anymore. Look right on a bumper with- sticker, though. Oh, yeah. I would sit there with some of my very close friends who were at the time in the military or ex going, Jason, no one cares. No one gives a shit about that day anymore. And this was as Batman as my witness in 2004, 2005, these conversations were happening. Okay. The worst fucking attack in, in the continental American fucking soil. I was like, okay, great. Wonderful. No one gives a shit. Now, I remember this clear as fucking day, and then it gets all goddamn cloudy. Talk about a dichotomy. In 2008 or 2009, I remember reading, I believe, in the Wall Street Journal that FBI had started to piece together that Saudi Arabia had funded the entire act of the 9-11 terrorist attack. Okay, I read this on a fucking piece of paper that was not a leaflet by someone who was, you know, associated with the truthers out there. And I was like, what the fuck? They said, yes, they've informed the families. They even know that the Saudi Arabia uh, diplomats, specifically the ambassador to America, was a go-between with the Saudi family and the terrorists. And they were funding not only their training in Florida, but also their houses they had in San Diego. It was totally funded by the goddamn Saudi government. And I I give a a contextual thing here to you, Jason. Um, Also, uh, this is actually a a current bone of contention as well, because the families of the 9-11 victims that, that died in the towers that day, they had requested that President Biden not attend any memorial services this this 9/11. Reason being, for those that aren't that are not aware, um, part of the the run up that he had said during his campaign was that he wanted to declassify documents uh, pertaining to 9/11 and the investigations and and all of that. And then once he became president, that promise just kind of went away. So he got uninvited to all of these events because these families felt betrayed. Since then, he's trying to kind of thread the needle a little bit where he said he he does want to um, declassify or make public certain records. You know, he's he, again, he's kind of hedging his, his verbiage. So that is currently a, a discussion slash argument slash conflict going on in regards to President Biden declassifying uh, information regarding the 9-11 investigations at the behest of the families that were affected. Continue, please. So I, in 2008 or 2009, would read these articles again and again go, well, why the fuck aren't we going to war with Saudi Arabia? What the fuck is this? These are the motherfuckers that paid for this to happen. In a goddamn crime here in the United States of America, you would be sent to prison for funding a criminal goddamn activity. Why are we why are we going to war with Afghanistan with a couple people in some goddamn caves? Why aren't we going to war with Saudi Arabia? When I started reading this shit, I was just gobsmacked. I was fucking gobsmacked because what had occurred is the commission to find out what happened on 9-11 was primarily the concern of the CIA. After they concluded that Saudi Arabia, oh, they didn't uh, we can't find any blah blah blah. Look over there, Big Bird. When they were finally done, the FBI picked up with Operation Encore. At the time, they didn't even announce they had 
this operation or what the fuck it was called, okay? But it was the FBI that was like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? And they started doing an internal criminal investigation as to, hold on, where did these motherfuckers get their training? Who was fitting, flipping the bill for this? Who fucking put them up in these apartments? Where? I mean, they're like 13 of the 15 hijackers, I think I'm right, came directly from Saudi Arabia. Well, Their a, nationality is. Well, to, to tie into also why the FBI would be actively uh, interested and involved in this type of thing jurisdictionally is for, again, for those that just don't remember the proper context. And it's crazy to think of a time when this didn't exist, but 9-11 was the, the reason or the launch point for the entire uh, homeland security. And then the FBI was put under the you know Homeland Security Department. So th- all of that got restructured as a result of 9-11. That's right. So at any rate, I always knew this. And I was telling people around me, I was like, dude, they figured out how this whole thing got funded. They figured out who actually said, hey, gr- great little blueprint. I mean, this is awesome, you know, that you came up with this Al-Qaeda. You know, this, this Mad Magazine uh, trap uh, logo diagram thing that you made here. But we're actually going to pay for this to happen. That fucking came from Saudi Arabia. Now, we had figured this out in 2008 or 2009. I'm telling people around me who claim to never forget 9-11 and to be outraged by the fact that we were attacked, no one gave a shit. No one gave a fuck. I remember thinking like, don't you care that we finally figured out who paid for this? No one fucking cared. Even, I might add, people who are platinum listeners to this show. They were just sort of like, well, I mean, it is what it is. And this was only... Seven years after the attacks. Seven years. So we're kicking the shit out of Afghanistan. Just kicking the fuck out of those fucking people. But Saudi Arabia, nah, you can be left alone. We're kind of retired now. We've we've learned to deal with it. We're, let's, we're good let's, at kicking Let's the sell you some more weapons. Right. So the, the interesting part is I always knew, and I just kind of sat there and looked around. It's kind of like when Donald Trump was doing all this bullshit, everyone's like, isn't that like a fucking impeachable offense? And people would say it again and again. And it just, no one did anything for years. And so I was like, I just can't believe we're not all as a nation clamoring to kick the shit out of Saudi Arabia. I just can't. All these years go by. Now we're at the 20 year mark. And the reinvestigation of 9-11 by the Americans finally is happening. When you say and by the Americans, can you specify as to yes, who is currently actively I th- investigating? I, first of all, it's that the families of the victims put up such a stink about Biden not coming to any sort of goddamn official anything in memorial until he releases Operation Encore's papers from the FBI and the people who are actively, and I will get to this, suing, trying to sue the Saudi government for, I mean, they're trying to get some sort of That's been ongoing for years. That's been ongoing. But what I'm trying to say is that finally... There's such a shitstorm with these families that people are looking into it like, hold on, what? And for the first time in, well, since 2008, 2007, whatever it was, people around me going, Saudi Arabia had something to do with this? 
Yes, you motherfucker. Yes. And I just, Dave, I am like, oh my God. I feel like I'm Roddy Piper with the sunglasses. Like, put them on. Just put them the fuck on, assholes. You will see what the fuck has happened here. And Saudi Arabia is so like, oh shit, they've already released this. We had nothing to do with blah, blah, blah. Let me ask you this, folks. If this information wasn't available in 2007, 2008 that I'm talking about, how did the families know who to sue in the first fucking place? Okay, I went back in time, tried to find these original articles on the net that I wised up on this. They're not to be found. I can't find them. And I finally reached out to somebody who's a head researcher of this goddamn show. And he said, Jason, this is normal. Shit has been digitally goddamn scrubbed. A lot of it is Sinclair Media's involved. Guess who owns most of Sinclair Media? The Saudis. The reason we decided to go to war with the Middle East was to globalize, meaning take over the Middle East, with Halliburton so Cheney could become fucking rich. And we were never More going rich. to go... We were never going to go to war with the richest fucking country on this planet who at the time had a stranglehold on us with oil. Not so much now, but certainly they have more money in our energy production, in our media, and in most of our financing. As a matter of fact, in our debt, on our equity market, the Saudis are the motherfuckers that are probably going to pull us out of it. So we were never going to beat the shit out of the people that orchestrated this motherfucker. But I think it's amazing that it took 20 years and us leaving Afghanistan, which is basically like a fucking bully coming to town and beating the fuck out of the kid that was the easy motherfucker to beat up on. You know, not the one that it could actually give us a fight in any capacity. Well, and let's we be clear, Afghanistan there. was not an easy fight because it, it was wasn't, not a successful mission. It was a successful mission because it was just bullshit. It was a war against the country that was what, what was it called. It could be a terrorist hotbed if we left. No, all we did there was give those motherfuckers hope, then take it away. When we should have been, if you don't want to blow up Saudi Arabia, at least bringing the, some, all the accountability of the world against them. Now, how is it in 2008, 2009, I knew for a fact that Saudi Arabia had had fucking telethons. You know, like when Cobra had the fucking telethon to raise money against G.I. Joe, they actually probably watched this episode back in the 80s and did that. Money was being raised by people in Saudi Arabia and particularly by the heads of the families that were the richest oil barons in the world to fund this terrorist organization, this terrorist operation that happened against America in 9-11. And what I think is fascinating and this is the whole reason I'm talking about this right now, because it is a goddamn dumpster fire, is the ignorance, the unbelievable ignorance of the United States, the American people, who I had some faith in years ago, none now, <laughs> thank you very much, um, that they were just willing to accept Afghanistan, people in caves, yeah, who no, the, the first thing that you do in any crime investigation, I know it's overquoted, is follow the fucking money. Who paid for fucking what here, folks? 
And now, only 20 years later, are we finally, all eyes are starting to turn to Saudi Arabia. And finally, all eyes are starting to turn to Cheney and Bush, these motherfuckers who were in bed with the Saudis for years. Their families and the Saudi family for generations have been in bed together, giving each other hand jobs. And only now, 20 years later in the reinvestigation of 9-11, it's not a goddamn conspiracy theory. It's finally happening where you've got FBI agents who were in charge of Operation Encore saying, hey, if we, if we unleash all the material we found in the, the FBI here on the Saudis' involvement, it will, it will absolutely fundamentally change the way Americans look at 9-11. Think about that, what I just said. It fundamentally changed the way Americans see and feel and know of 9-11. Because what these papers show is, it's Saudi of fucking Arabia that funded and wanted this to happen. Not goddamn Afghanistan. So I guess... For clarity, let me also specify that, you know, and I don't believe you're making the statement, but just, again, for clarity, no one's saying that bin Laden was framed or that he was some sort of patsy or whatever. The question is, who was providing bin Laden the resources that were required in order to pull off that type of operation? So bin Laden was a very legitimate target, but bin Laden didn't act solely by himself. Well, no, absolutely. He's he was like a writer director or something. No, actually, he was just like a writer of the fucking nine eleven movie. He had a director. Uh, I'd say he was a producer. Let's I'd give him an associate no. producer's credit. Maybe an executive. The production company and the studio was Saudi Arabia. They're they're the fucking Warner Brothers. Forgive me, WB. But I mean, the thing is that as far as I'm concerned, I. Like I said, when I watch these, I still cry. I still get goosebumps. I still feel it like it happened today. When I see these documentaries on 9-11, I feel so emotionally fucking impacted as if it was happening right now. Right now. It fundamentally changed the way I think of geopolitics, America's self-identity, religion, even my diet. It, 9-11 affected me in such a strong way, it's hard to under goddamn state. So me researching and keeping on top of the facts. Now, I'm not getting into the truthing, fucking Zeke guys, loose change stuff. By the way, there's some of that that I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not all of it, but some of it, absolutely. I am telling you, as we talked about our UFO episode, the facts as they are reported currently right now and how it is changing right now how history is finally allowing us to look at this correctly in a lot of ways i would really challenge everyone who's listening to me right now to just sit down and think about these events that we have buried most of us don't even talk to our children about it most schools don't even fucking talk about it because it's so goddamn hurtful to us we don't even know what context to put it into it's a trauma that we are only now starting to investigate two th- two things i'd like to to touch on again just to kind of add uh context one is uh and I've said this before on this on this program, is that 9-11 from the terrorist perspective was way more successful than just, you know, the body count of that day or the, the trauma that it even caused the nation. From um, a financial 
standpoint, the amount of resources that America diverted towards Homeland Security and to all of these, you know, the war in Afghanistan and, and Iraq and America would have been in a much better place financially during the pandemic if those resources had not been so dramatically spent and misappropriated over the last two decades uh, towards these other, you know, military industrial projects. Um, I don't think that's even a matter of, of debate. You can say the same thing about 2000, 2007, 2008, when the, um, you know, the financial crisis hit, that the country would have been in a better position to deal with that if our, the country finances had not been so incredibly fucked uh, in, in rash reaction to 9-11. In regards to Saudi Arabia, I will also remind everybody, Saudi Arabia also, the Saudi family had also, the Saudi royal family had also claimed they had nothing to do with the killing of journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi. And uh, that was, you know, all but proven to be just utter blatant bullshit. And WWE was holding a you know, an event there just a couple weeks later because there was money to be made. And that is America in a nutshell, I would say. It really is. It's, um, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I, I mean, I get so emotional. I could tear up. I, that truth and accountability should be followed all the way to the fucking nth degree. And there has been very, very fucking little of it. Where could the dozens provide us with their own thoughts and feedback on what has been discussed thus far in this program, Mr. Bailey? You can always contact us at askdaveandjason at protonmail.com because, well, God damn it, the truth matters. And still, fuck you, Dr. Cosby. So, Jason, would you like to go into the final subject of the week so we can... Go home, proverbially and literally. Yes, I think so. I think that'd be good. All right. Well, to put a more, you know, um, optimistic look at current events, childhood is dead. I don't know if you knew that, Jason. <laughs> I do. But there was a bit of a, a resurgence this past week with the return of multiple people to professional wrestling rings, of which uh, you and I are both very passionate about. Uh, long story short, AEW held, I think, their most consequential pay-per-view to, to date. I haven't heard what the numbers are, but I would imagine they're sufficiently good. Um, AEW all out from, excuse me, I'm having a digestive issue, from Chicago, uh, saw the return of CM Punk to the ring against Darby Allen. It saw the long-rumored debut of Brian Danielson, uh, the rumored signing of Adam Cole was confirmed. Those two things <laughs> happened inside of about two minutes of each other. Uh, it was one hell of an event, man. And uh, it's got the wrestling world a buzzing. Um, the former Ruby Riot, uh, now known as Ruby Soho, also made her debut uh, successfully there. There was a lot going on in this show. Now, I don't think it's necessarily beneficial to give a match-by-match -match rundown because I think it's really about a lot more than that. But, uh, Jason, you and I have looked extensively at this subject, and we don't follow AEW week to week, just at least not in terms of what we talk about on the program. But um, I think we would be remiss if we did not end our program talking about All Out and some of the takeaways from it and uh, what it means for or doesn't mean for WWE. So what are your well, initial thoughts? 
As far as I'm concerned, uh, it's just my opinion, but as you know, I'm always right. AEW's All Out was probably the best pay-per-view in 20 years. It was probably the best, finest wrestling pay-per-view from start to finish in 20 years. I cannot even make that shit up. They did such a good job. It was stunning. I It was stunning. I cannot even believe how good it was. I mean, it's a three-hour event. It seemed like it was an hour oh, and a half. It was more than that. It was like a five-hour yeah. event if you count when, the pre-show. If you do the pre-show. But, I mean, it all was so well orchestrated that this is the crowning achievement thus far of Tony Khan's investment in the dream of, you know, the, this this idea that professional wrestling could really be a thing again and just i don't know cody rhodes and chris jericho tony khan mjf it's just all the originals this this was their this was their fucking just coup de gras the payoff the tour de force it was just amazing now what makes you say that i think it's because the matches were so fucking good, not just because of the in-ring work that was occurring, because some of it was, I mean, like the Lucha Brothers alone, that was, I mean, we're looking at shit we have not really seen since Lucha Underground, go figure, but we're seeing stuff in a cage that they're doing that you're like, holy shit, it was amazing. But on top of that, each segment of the pay-per-view was specifically telling a story that was you were invested in you cared about it went somewhere it's a lot like how kevin nash discussed i believe one of the wrestlemania i think wrestlemania maybe 14 i'm not even sure where he says if you look at what wcw was producing where it was just this helter skelter bizarre mishmash of fucking storylines that really didn't give a shit no one knew what they were doing and you saw how orchestrated wrestlemania 14 really was and how every match had a story a perfect package you knew exactly what was at stake they go that's how i felt about all this whole thing i felt about aew's all out the same way where you have the absolute best talent in the wrestling world, in one pay-per-view, at one night, one time, and you're seeing exactly what professional wrestling is all about. This wasn't superstars giving you some half-assed entertainment soap opera bullshit. This was real professional wrestling. I mean, I just wish that Dusty Rhodes was alive so he could have seen it. It's that fucking good. But I'm telling you, with with Brian Danielson, Adam Cole coming out, of course, the audience popped, but the promos that they gave were amazing. It was genuine. It was authentic, which I know is very important to you, Dave. Everything that everyone was saying was true and from the heart. The CM Punk Darby Allen match, fantastic. It did what it was supposed to do. Let's get him back in the ring and let's make him part of this elite wrestling organization. Jericho and MGF, I mean, that the MJF, they had basically a match that could have been Jericho's retirement match. It could have been his final farewell. It was that fucking good. And I really am just so proud of the fact that they pulled this off, you know, two years after the fact of, of you know, this getting off the ground. Kenny Omega, Christian Cage, absolutely fantastic. I'm just saying that there were people contacting me during all out saying i'm watching pro wrestling 
for the first time. And some people contact me saying, this is the first time I've ever seen CM Punk wrestle. This is the first time I've ever seen an AEW product. It was such a wonderful pay-per-view because it brought all the fans who have been fans from day one, like Joe Baca, they finally got their holy shit pay-per-view and everyone that it attracted the new eyeballs to, my God, you can't have a better introduction than what you got last night. It's unbelievable. It's a five out of five fucking stars. Several nights ago. Yeah, several nights ago. But I mean, the thing is that if you're watching it uh, or you haven't seen it, please look it up on the internet, pay for it, do whatever you got to do to get eyeballs on this motherfucker. Because I think that it's hysterical that we always end our show with a wrestling segment. It's always the Cracker Jack prize at the bottom of the fucking box because, hey, we're passionate about it, people. We love this sport. And we have to talk week in and week out about so many behind the scenes dealings, which is in WWE is a lot more intriguing than what they're actually putting on TV. Or we have to talk about shit that happened in the eighties or the nineties because it's when, you know, wrestling was good. Very rarely can we talk about any goddamn thing that is in the current is in the right now. Well, I am telling you in the right now, all out is fantastic and it is five out of five stars. And if you don't know one goddamn person on the card, it doesn't even fucking matter. You will love this pay-per-view. I'll say one thing that I noticed. Cause I, I think you've seen more of the matches than I have. I saw the, the punk uh, Darby Allen match in its entirety. Um, I've seen a couple other things or, or at the very least highlights of, so I could uh, discuss them. But, one thing I was watching that I was struck by, and it's something I always missed from pro wrestling when we were kids, was when it came to like the pre-show, I always loved that buildup. I always loved Jim Ross talking about, call your local cable system, like blah, 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 see Sting in the Great Muda, and blah, blah, like, and then it would cut to like interviews and video packages and the whole thing that would really just kind of sell it. WWE, for the longest time, have been doing these just homogenized, boring, embarrassing, talky head panel type things because they Mm want to be like ESPN. Um, The All Out pre-show, which is on YouTube, and you you know, and AEW themselves posted it, so you know you have no problem finding it. That really had like an old school promotional feel where it had a sit down interview with CM Punk and Jim Ross talking about his return, featuring backstage footage of him coming into the arena and the whole thing. And it, it featured videos showing the, the injury to Britt Baker and how she had you know, recovered and then kind of reinvented herself. And now this new challenger coming back from her own injury, like for some of that, I hadn't, you know, I know who Britt Baker is. I, I was not overly familiar with her uh, opponent, um, but I could follow all of that and get excited about it. And it gave me, it answered the major questions. Who are these people? Why are they fighting? Why should we care? And I haven't seen that on a WWE pre-show buildup, whatever, in years and years and years and years. So if you want to find out if AEW is something that you might want to start paying more attention to, yet you don't necessarily want to invest in, in all out, you know, as a, as a pay-per-view yet, uh, watch that pre-show on YouTube and you'll kind of get a taste for a very different feel than what, um, what has been in the, the WWE 
product, certainly, for a very long time. Um, and then also, again, you know, when you the, the way they booked the, the surprises of, of starting with Ruby Soho, but then also, I mean, obviously the the big return match of CM Punk that they had done a great job promoting. He delivered, Darby Allen delivered. It did exactly what it needed to do. But then also that the double reveal at the end of Adam Cole first and then Brian Danielson is yeah. just so well done. Brian, Brian Danielson is just going, is, I mean, I get some goosebumps thinking about him in that promotion. Oh my God. Just that is a pro wrestler. That is a pro wrestler and just to let him unleash his abilities in that promotion is going to be spectacular and i can tell you for a fact guys that you know with adam cole joining last night that was huge because in the quote-unquote wednesday night war which was never really a war at all because AEW just you know curb stomp fucking nxt uh rest in peace uh nxt but just curb stomp them. They they only lost, I think, one Wednesday night rating, and it's when Adam Cole was the main event. It was the only people that, like Tony Khan, was only scared of him main eventing, which they probably didn't do that much of after that because, you know, uh, it's WWE. But at any rate, it, this is the time, and I'll tell you something, folks. If you've listened to us just rant and rave about how much we love pro wrestling, and you're just, you know casual fans or you loved it in the 80s and 90s and you lost track and you just kind of got more into it because of what we're saying i mean it's a very low risk non-hassle thing to do go to your youtube account and just subscribe to aew's official channel that's it it's that fucking simple because they show you great highlights of the pay-per-view or hard-to-watch stuff unless you're streaming all this other stuff that TNT has you, you know, do hoops through or whatever. But you can watch a lot of matches. All the dark episodes are on there. It's unedited, a lot of it. Behind-the-scenes footage, great interviews, great media scrums. Everything you want from goddamn professional wrestling is happening. It's happening now. It's happening again. Just subscribe, AEW's official channel on YouTube, and you will understand what the fuck we're talking about. And for all of you who watched pro wrestling again for the first time in 20 years on, you know, Sunday night, God bless you. Because, I mean, this is what it is about, is getting this sport back where it should have always fucking been before all the McManigans set in. You know what I mean? So here we are. But I'm really, really excited. I'm proud of AEW, all the people involved. And it's saying something that in 20 years, I've never seen a pay-per-view this fucking good. It just, from start to end, it was all fantastic. The Henry work, the promos. My God, the commentating was great. Jim Ross was back on his motherfucking A-game. And who knew that Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone could be A-gamers ever again together? But they fucking were. So, I mean, it was great. It was great. And I know what you're talking about, Dave. That build-up for the pay-per-view, it gets you fucking excited. It feels like a big, real fight like something real exciting is happening and it's part of the overall entertainment package and that was there too. And the last thing I'll say and then I think we can we can call it a night is how crazy is it think 3 years ago, okay? Think about if I had told you 3 years ago that 3 years from now Edge would main event WrestleMania and Christian would main event AEW All Out, the biggest event of the year. Like, what? You would have me 
admitted into a hospital for migraine-induced brain damage. You're absolutely right. Well, hell, I mean, I remember there being interviews where Hulk Hogan was saying these that were the Monday Night Wars were great. They were great years for competition, but it will never happen again. Not in his lifetime. Well, I mean, you know, we, we've always thought that he's outlived his purpose anyway, but it's back. I mean, WWE, whatever the fuck you want, we can rail on them forever. It's a whole nother subject. But I'm telling you something right now that we have finally seen a wrestling company come along that is doing pro wrestling, not superstar bullshit drama made up crap. This is real professional wrestling now. Well, I'll also say Hogan in that regard is not wrong in the sense that I don't think WWE is going to be real eager to go head to head with AEW uh, on a weekly basis again. And anytime soon and AEW has really not shown any interest in, in, you know, trying to take away audience from WWE. So I think they actually could both kind of coexist for an extended period of time. But, you know, like Mick Foley said, WWE, you got a problem and you, you got to start, problem. you, you got to start uh, getting your shit together. Yeah, absolutely. All I right. Just, before we before we go, Dave, I just want to give well wishes to Triple H. He's my favorite wrestler. I was going to bring that up re- if you. Want. I hope he. Re- I hope he recovers, and it's a speedy recovery. And uh, I'm sorry you've got that genetic heart uh, defect. Uh, I hope that uh, you and Arnold have uh, called each other on the phone and uh, got the pig valve or or whatever it is that you do when you take copious amounts of steroids for thirty years. Well, I mean, those two things allegedly. Those two things could possibly coexist. Like Warrior did legitimately have a genetic heart defect because his his dad had died very young of a heart attack. That you does know what not, helps that? You know that what helps not, that, Dave? HGH. What? Yeah, and uh, that that does not mean that the copious amounts of uh, growth hormone and steroids did not contribute greatly to his death. And likewise, you know, Triple H, I've not been a huge fan of as a wrestler, but as a as the guiding force of of NXT up until now, I think he had certainly done a lot more good for the business than he had bad uh in that capacity how how um, dark knight returns would it have been if nxt got taken over by vince and then he dies of a heart attack triple h i mean wouldn't that just be like my god that's like the burning of wayne manor after alfred dies of a heart attack like well, you I just s- can't get s- crazier i saw all these jokey memes when it was first announced that nxt was getting basically mcmanonized and a bunch of people had had posted these pictures with uh, like the AEW logo with uh, Triple H in front of it like Paul Levesque is all elite but then CM Punk showed up and you just know that ain't gonna happen so (laughs) that'll be our show this week folks Uh, it's a little bit of a longer one but thanks for sticking with us absolutely and thank you very much guys for um, giving us the time to tell you what's on our hearts and minds and a lot of it is directed by you uh, and we do appreciate every single one of you whether you're in kansas city la austin paris wherever you're listening to us from we really do appreciate you you have no idea how much it means to both dave and myself that you tune in every single week and uh go through this journey called life together and if you're going to celebrate nine celebrate if you're going to remember 9 11 uh, this this week by watching a pay-per-view on Saturday night. Let it be the replay of All Out and not... Celebrity Deathmatch 2021. Not a 59-year-old getting what's remains of his brains beaten out while the former president is crowing about it. I just, oh, oh. My God, cringeworthy. Anyway, that's our show, folks. I am Dave Beaudry. And I am still your Jason Bailey. And let me muster up the energy. We are one day closer to death, but that day is not and will not be today. So until next week. <laughs>